And I remember as soon as I felt his presence, I just, I knew without a doubt he's real. And then I got scared. I got very scared because then I realized if he's real, and I'm me <laughs> doing yeah. what I'm right. doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in big trouble. Yeah. Right? This, this could be bad, right? <laughs> right, this yeah. could be really bad, mm -hmm. right? Salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of us has a unique story of how that takes place. In this series of podcasts, members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. Here now is My Grace Life Story. This is another episode of My Grace Life Story. My name is Matt Fowler. I'm the associate pastor here at Grace Life Church. I'm joined with Tim Martin. He's working all of our audio here for us today. And I have Nate and Selena Ware with us. Nate and Selena, how are you guys doing today? Doing, doing good. well. Been good. busy this summer, but we're doing good. <laughs> good, good. All right, guys, we're going to kick this one off just like we do with almost every episode of My Grace Life Story. And I just want you guys to start by telling us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, you guys have a story, and we'll get into this eventually, that, that's really different from most people's because not many people here at Grace Life are from California. <laughs> and you guys have gotten here all the way from the west uh, side of the United States to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. But we'll get there eventually. Just to start us off, though, Nate, tell us a little bit about yourself. And and then once Nate does that, Selena, I'll let you do the same thing. All right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I work for an insurance company. Okay. Um, it's a work from home job. That's what enabled us to be able to move over here so freely. Um, I've been doing that since about 2017. Been a Christian since probably 2014-ish. Okay. Right. I'm not one of those people who has a specific date. That's okay. Date yeah, we got a lot of those life. folks that, that, that aren't sure of that specific <laughs> right. day or time, but they know God's changed their lives somewhere. In that right, season. right. I focused on God, not so much yeah. the... A specific time. So, yeah. all right. But um, yeah. So, did you? Obviously, we've already mentioned you guys kind of got here from California. Did you grow up in California? I did. Okay, so born and raised there. Yeah, born and raised in Central California, okay. a couple hours north of LA. All right. Agricultural area. Okay. Mm -hmm. a lot of the armpit cows. of California. <laughs> yeah. This is what everyone the, calls the it. It's hot and sweaty, and there's a lot of cow and yeah, yeah. all those kind of smells. <laughs> Y'all weren't in the glitzy part. Oh no, of no, no, not no, Hollywood. No, uh, okay. no beach, no Hollywood, no all celebrities. Right. We, we kind of moved that way <laughs> after high school. Okay. Yeah. I went to San Diego. She went to San Fran. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, so talk to me a little bit about growing up, Nate. Did you grow up in a Christian home? What Was the gospel very present in, in California in the part where you're growing up? You have local churches there. Were you hearing the preaching of God's Word? Talk to me a little bit about, you know, growing up there and, and what kind of Christian influence, biblical influence was a part of your life, even as maybe a young child? If you were to ask me that question then, I would tell you I was a Christian. Okay. But looking back at it now, I, I can see that I was not saved. I had no conviction of sin. Um, I thought I was a good person. And I was really raised with a man-centered doctrine growing up. I was taught about Jesus, but we were never taught anything below surface level. Okay. It was always very surface level. Um, Jesus loves everybody. We're good people. You know, you serve him, your life's going to be great. Right. So this teaching that you're getting, was this what you were getting at home? Just was from this my, in a church? Me, at home, from okay. just hearing family members, or maybe it could have just been my bad interpretation from what I was okay. hearing. Gotcha. But I was never going to church. I think growing up, maybe I could count on one hand the amount of times I went to church. So okay. it's very few. Yeah, got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, most of our folks and probably most of the folks that are hearing my Grace Life Story podcast are, are probably people that by and large, have grown up in the southeastern United States, particularly right here in the Shoals area where churches are aplenty. 
they are on. They literally many times are on every corner <laughs> we in the community. That. Yes. Here. <laughs> so you know, what's that like out in California? Is it is it a similar? A lot of churches around, fewer churches. Well, give me an idea of how are. that works. Yeah, it, de- it depends where you are. I would say there's a lot of heretical churches, but it's pretty much everywhere, right? Yep, sure. A lot of man-centered churches that mm-hmm. okay. I knew of. I mean, when we came to the Reformed side, because we didn't start off as Reformed, and once we became Reformed, it was really hard to find a good, solid biblical church. We actually had to drive like 30 minutes to mm-hmm. find one. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, the city we lived in, Visalia was, what, 200,000 people? Mm-hmm. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good, good deal. All right, Selena, so a little bit about you as well, just uh, some background, some biographical information, if you will, yeah. about you and growing up. So I was born and raised in California as well, same okay. area. Um, I was raised in the city right next to the one he was raised in. I was raised in church. I right. was in church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every any day in between. I served in, oh my gosh, so many different ways, but I was raised in a Assemblies of God church in a very charismatic setting. All right. Yeah. Um, so very different. Okay, so let, let's walk through. I, I, I think I probably know what you mean by saying very charismatic. Yeah, but yeah. Let, let's let's let everybody in else in on what exactly you mean by very charismatic. What did yes. that look like? So give me a. What was the name of your church growing up? Bethel. Okay. Okay. So you're in the Bethel. <laughs> so so that let, says a lot. Yeah. So let's <laughs> but take people through what a Bethel church service might look like. Yes. So a Bethel church service growing up would look like people running around waving flags. Every so often there'd be someone in the corner painting. People on the ground, laughing, crying. So those were horns. those were considered expressions of worship. Yes, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, that's okay. what it was taught to me. Right. Yes, All right. Blowing horns, speaking in Did tongues. Did you guys have the big shofar? Uh, yes, horn? and I was ah. just telling him not, yesterday. Not that, not that this uh, this may be bad. That's so funny. I would I'm like, love to. I would love to is. hear the shofar <laughs> horn. I mean, we'll never do that here at Grace yeah, Life, right, which right. I just like to experience. <laughs> <one time. laughs> Maybe for Fourth of July or something. Yeah, there you go. Fireworks going off, shofars. Well, you know, we have people that sing at the Fourth of July picnic. Could you do a shofar horn? Something I was never trained in the show part. Okay, all right. well, but so it's funny so. that you mentioned that because just yesterday I was explaining that to him and he looked at me crazy and I'm like, right. you don't know what shofar is? So I showed him and it, yeah. And anyways, yeah. <laughs> I, you could expect to hear a shofar um, during worship. Okay. Like I said, a lot of tongue speaking, very loud. Yeah. And then. The so what place, what place did the preaching of the word play? I, obviously, I know on some level they're going to have, if if we want to call it a sermon, they're going to have a sermon, at yes. least, you know, from their perspective. But mm-hmm. what role did that play in a typical gathered congregational worship time in a Bethel church, at least the one you grew yeah, up in? Yeah, so usually worship would go just as long as the pastor felt the Spirit was leading it to go. Okay. So sometimes he would ask them to keep going and it would go for a really long time or other times it might not. And then okay. he would go up there and preach. Well, I don't know if I would call it preaching yes, now, I understand but where you're coming from. that's what I thought as a child. And it would just be topical. We never did any, you know, like exegetical, no verse by verse. There wasn't going through a whole book of the Bible ever in my life. It was always topical or taking a verse or taking a few verses and teaching on those verses and really, from what I can remember, just how how your life could be better. Um, so man-centered. Very like, man-centered. Talk yeah. a little bit of a man-centered approach. Yeah, it's so very name it, it, claim it. Name so. it, claim it. I don't know. I always try to, because it's, it's like so hard to put into words because I lived it, but it's like, it's just a lot when you're living it. Well, being outside of it, I've noticed it's a lot. So the American gospel 
documentary mm-hmm. shows Bethel Church, and that's exactly how I was raised. Okay, okay. So okay. I try to help people, like, well, if you watch that, you can see and understand, like, my background. So, gotcha. yeah. Okay. All right, good. All right, so, Nate, let, let's bounce back to you. So, look, tell us a little bit about growing up in California, so some of what you were taught, some of the assumptions you made about the gospel. But uh, let, let's dig in a little further on on when the Lord really began to, to work in your life, show you your sin, uh, draw you to Him in repentance and faith. Uh, you know, was was that through a, a, a friend that was sharing the gospel? Was that through a, a, a local church reaching out to you? Walk me through your conversion testimony a little bit. I have a pretty radical one. Okay. Isn't the common type of story you'd hear. No one evangelized to me. Um, I was actually walking down a street by myself after a long night of partying where I got saved. But just to kind of backtrack, growing up, my life was centered around sports, football in particular. Okay. And I ended up getting hurt my senior year after our championship game, kind of ruined some college plans for me, tore my rotator cuff, hmm. had surgery, came back, um, blew out my knee the following year. Hmm. And I didn't just partially blow out my knee. No one touched me. I just made a cut. I completely blew out my knee. I tore every ligament except for my PCL was partially torn. The worst part about it was the cartilage damage. I knocked a chunk of cartilage off when my knee dislocated. And it completely derailed my life. Um, I would say being 20 years old at the time, you know, you have a big ego, especially when you're not saved. And I felt like my ego was shattered being told by the doctor that I should stick to, you know, swimming and giving up football. And, you know, my dad always taught me doctors don't know what they're talking about. Just <laughs> toughen it up. And tape fine. it up and go. No, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I tried Which to. you did through a lot of yeah, injuries. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to heed to that advice. I actually went back and played again. Wow. And I played about two games. And then I quit because it was so hard for me just to even walk after yeah. practice. I was limping. My leg was swelling up. And the doctor who did the surgery was actually our team doctor. And he told me, you need to quit. I mean, you're going to be 30 years old. You won't be able to run with your kid. Wow. So long story short, uh, I spiraled out of control, mm-hmm. went through a big breakup with the girl I was with for five years, parents divorced. Mm-hmm. So all this happened all at once. And I uh-huh. just, my world was sure. destroyed, shattered. And I turned to God during this moment. I remember specifically praying, asking him to heal my knee. And when it didn't happen, I took out all my anger on him. Mm. And I figured if you were real and I'm such, you know, such a great person, why would Mm -hmm. you do this to me? Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that at the time, but I was trying to manipulate God. I was trying to tell God, you need to do this for me and then I'll love you. Instead of realizing what he's already done for us. I ended up rebelling even more Um, growing up. I was a little rebellious at times, but for the most part, for a public school kid who didn't know God, I was pretty straight edge with sports. Mm -hmm. But when I started rebelling, um, I moved to San Diego. I got into sales. How old are you at this time? I was just turned 21. Okay, so 21. Yeah. All right. Got into sales, which was completely opposite of my personality. I just started doing a bunch of wild things that I normally wouldn't do because I was just so dead inside. And I was just trying to find my purpose in life and what to do. You know, my ego shattered, so I was overcompensating a lot. I started getting into steroids at Mm. the gym that I was going to. Um, I started working at this gym. Soon I became the general manager. I worked my way up. And then I started getting into clubbing got into hardcore drugs. Mm. I pretty much was the type of personality at that time 
where if there was something that seemed interesting that might give me a little spark, I'm going to try it and I'm going to do it and we'll see if I like it and just kind of go with the flow. Uh, very, very rebellious. Looking back at it now, it scares me and thinking of the mindset I was in. But at the time I I wasn't scared because I just didn't care. It's kind of like a a suicidal mindset, Mm. but instead of wanting to directly kill yourself, you try to indirectly do it by other means. And um, ended up getting even more into the clubbing scene. Lost a lot of friends, burned a lot of friends, uh, living the life I was living. I remember even one of my best friends telling me, you're one of the most manipulative people I've ever met. Mm. And that was my best friend at the time. And then I started to kind of realize maybe I'm becoming this, you know, maybe I'm becoming worse Mm. than what I thought this path would lead me. I I thought I'm just going to go out there and try a bunch of rebellious things and figure out what makes me happy. But in the process, I'm hurting everyone in my path. And it's very self-destructive. I ended up hitting a really low point one night. I ended up losing my car as well. So I pretty much lost everything at this point. And I was just walking down the street and I was in LA and I had this deep desire to go pray. And what was odd is I, ha- I hadn't prayed for years before that. The last time I prayed was in regards to my knee. And I remember crying out to God saying, you're not real. I- I'm-, I'm not going to serve you. Mm. And that night there was just such a-, a calling, a drawing to pray. The only way I could explain it, it was maybe like if someone had a gun to your head, you felt like you had to do it. It's very urgent. And if you didn't, something really bad is going to happen. And then I started getting a lot of anxiety. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go pray. What's it going to hurt? And I went and found somewhere alone um, on a bench and down at the subway. And then I started praying. And I didn't really know how to pray. I just cried out, God, Jesus, if, if you are real, literally started my prayer with, mm-hmm. if you are real, will you help me? And for the first time in my life, I had conviction. It's kind of like what my friend had said to me in the past and all the bad things I had done. They finally started to hit me to where I started to see my condition. And I remember saying, God, I'm a bad person. I hate who I've become. Mm. Will you change me? Will you save me and I'll do anything for you? And I felt the presence of God at that moment. I had never felt God before. I know being saved is not just a feeling, but in that moment, I I had a very strong, overwhelming feeling of the Holy Spirit. And so much to where um, I just started bawling, crying. I probably look like a crazy person in the subway. He's not a crier, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I think I've seen him cry maybe like twice or three times this whole time I've known him. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm not too emotional in that way. But when God's presence came, I was very emotional. And I remember as soon as I felt his presence, I just, I knew without a doubt he's real. Mm. And then I got scared. I got very scared because then I realized if he's real and I'm me (laughs) doing what I do, (laughs) (laughs) I'm in big trouble. This this could be bad, right? (laughs) Right. This could be really bad, Mm. right? I got to figure out dad's rules. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So. So, amen. So the Lord's obviously worked in your life at that point. So yeah. So what happens from there? I, I, I mean, you know, because, again, you know, you, it's not like you've been regularly attending a church. It's not like you had, had set out and said, hey, I, you know, I'm going to go read a bunch of theological books. And I'm gonna, I mean, God's just worked in your life, and, and, and you've been living this lifestyle in which you've already described it to us. So 
So what happens? I mean, what, what happens from that point as far as your walk with the Lord and, and where you begin to go and how God begins to change your life? Well, you know, in the book of Acts, whenever they're filled with the Spirit, they start preaching boldly. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that. If you were, I would always tell my wife, if you were at the top of that subway, before you take the stairs down to the subway, if you're at the top of the stairs and you saw me going down compared to when I was coming up, you would think, what happened to that guy down right. there? Yeah. I don't know how long I was down there praying. I didn't really keep track of that. But when I came back up, I could not stop talking about Jesus. Hmm. And it was just so overwhelming to where I didn't know the word enough to be able to talk about him enough, right. <laughs> but I knew he was real and I wanted right. everyone to know that. Yeah. And that kind of started, you know, my passion of wanting to get into the word of God. Cause I realized God's real. Yeah. I need to study his word so I can, you know, know him better. Yeah. And that's kind of what started that process. It was a okay. long process. Um, I'm sure I said a lot of heretical things that I regret if <laughs> I were to hear again. Yeah. If you would have saw me during that time, you wouldn't have thought I was saved. So that's why it's always important. You know, we always keep in mind that not everyone was raised in church. Yep. And some people are very rebellious and they're very far. Yep. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul, right? Yeah. And God, just because he saved me, doesn't mean he changed me overnight Mm -hmm. and to the man I am today. So it was a long process of sanctification and a lot of trial and error. Um, I fell into a lot of traps because I was very wary of religion Mm -hmm. and I was wanting to study all the denominations. I studied Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, uh, Catholicism. I tried to study it at all just to kind of figure out who's right, but it was a long process. Um, And then here I am. Yeah, amen. Selena? Yeah. How about so, you? like I said, you know, I was raised in, in the church that I was raised in, and so I don't remember not ever being in church. Mm. And um, I always really, really loved being in church. I always wanted to. It was never anything my parents had to force on me. If anything, I probably forced it on them right, a lot of times. Right. But I do really remember being around seven or eight years old and really being captivated by the grace of God. Mm. And I remember weeping. Mm-hmm. over my sin and right. realizing who I was and then what Jesus did for me and who he is. Right. And so I remember that happening at a really young age. And since then, I, like I said, I was around seven or eight. Not long after that, I got baptized. And ever since then, I just wanted to live for Jesus. That, mm-hmm. you know, and that was my mindset as a little girl. Yeah. They asked me when I got baptized, why are you here today? Why are you getting baptized? And my little self said, because I love Jesus, you know, it's it's just that simple. You know, I love Jesus and I want to obey him. And so since then I've lived my life, I've tried to live my life in that way. Mm -hmm. But I always say like, I know I was saved really young, but that doesn't mean that my life always reflected uh, my salvation and sanctification. Mm -hmm. I still very much was a sinner and there was a lot of things that the Lord had to teach me and, and refine in me. But growing up, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to sin in a way that someone else on the outside would look at and think like, oh my goodness, what is this girl doing? Because I was always in church and I was always around my Christian friends. I went to a a private Christian school from kindergarten to eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I did, I always obeyed the rules as best I could. You know, I wasn't a perfect kid, but my teachers would always say the worst thing she does is talk too much. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they'd have to move me away from my friends in class. I mean, so my parents really didn't have any issues. And, and 
so it was like I didn't really as a kid I, I wasn't necessarily rebellious. Good. Um, so similar, right? In in a, in a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in an outward way. Yeah. Of course I had a lot of sin in my heart and in my sure, mind. And sure. um so that that's that. So it wasn't until I was in my late teens, early twenties that I got into a relationship that I was actually in for six years, and that is where I would say I was more rebellious and more sinful um, and more willfully sinful. And mm-hmm. I look at it now and I wouldn't say that then, but I still, you know, very much love Jesus and I would proclaim Jesus anywhere to anyone. And, but I was choosing to live sinfully in this relationship mm-hmm. and that, and I always say like, it was a choice of mine. I wasn't forced. Yeah, I did choose that. And for six years I chose it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I got out of that relationship that I realized, whoa, I've really, 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 really been breaking God's heart. Mm. And I've, ch- I've been choosing to kind of ignore some of the stuff the Bible says because, you know, I, it doesn't make me feel good because I'm in this relationship. I don't know how to get out. And this person says they're a Christian, but they're not doing anything that shows me that they're serving the Lord. And they're right. definitely not trying to help me serve the Lord. Yeah. If anything, it's going the opposite way. And so after that relationship is when I kind of woke up to my willful sin that I had been living in. Mm. And it really, really, really broke me heavily. Mm. I would say I got into situational depression and anxiety. Mm. I think I was so overwhelmed with the weight of my sin and realizing I felt a lot of shame. And I know that wasn't from the Lord, but I did feel a lot of shame and regret. And so after I had, after I worked through all of that and truly repented and had to just lay it all down and say, Lord, please forgive me. And will you just help me start over? Mm-hmm. I just really just want to start over. I really, truly want to obey you. But I always tell people that I, I realized that, you know, the Bible says, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And I don't, I wasn't loving him with all of my heart, mind, and soul, you know, through those years. I, maybe when I was a child, I, I did a little bit better at it, mm-hmm. but then I got to be a teenager and I got 18, I met a boy and, you know, I let different things influence me. And so when I realized I wasn't loving him with all my heart, mind, and soul, that became my goal. Now I'm going to love God with all of me, with every decision I make, with everything I do, no matter who I'm around, this is, I'm going to truly love him and not just in ways that are convenient to me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like I said, my, I know I was saved at a young age, but there's definitely been things that yeah, the Lord sure. had to work through in yeah. me. But yeah, since then, I mean, I was around 20, 24, I think about that time. Um, and once I worked through all of that with the Lord and truly repented and turned mm-hmm. from my sin and not just, oh, I'm sorry and kept living that way. But right. I, when I actually chose to turn from it is when I saw a lot of changes in my relationship with the Lord. Definitely was not depressed anymore. I had all that joy back yeah. and I felt Amen. free again and um, I was ready to, to yeah. serve the Lord with all of me. Amen. So, yeah. Well, just, you know, with both of you guys walking through your conversion, even a little bit after your conversion, I mean, goodness, uh, you know, praise the Lord for his grace, not only at conversion, but his sanctifying grace as well. Yeah. Amen. Uh, you know, and I, I think even, you know, just uh, something you were talking about there, Selena, the Lord Obviously, even in those six years in which you were wayward to a certain degree, willfully mm-hmm. sinning, uh, you know, the Scripture says we should not despise the discipline of the Lord. And and sometimes it's the disciplining hand of the Lord that slowly walks us back to Him. Absolutely. And, you know, the disciplining hand of the Lord is, is not always pleasurable. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it doesn't That's always sure. feel great. Mm-hmm. 
but we know it comes from a loving Heavenly Father, yeah. and, right. and it's for His glory and for our good. Now, just like you said, on the on the back side of those six years, you can look back and, and man, thank you, Lord, for, for drawing me back to you. I want to live for you, you know. Yes. But, uh, you know, in that same context, and I believe it's in Hebrews where it speaks fairly in a fairly lengthy passage about the discipline of the Lord. It says that no, no discipline is pleasurable at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, but it does pay some eternal dividends in yes. the end. And, you know, that, that's true in all our lives. And, and Tim and I could sit here and tell you I, all our stories are different. But my goodness, I, my life as a believer certainly has not been a straight line up of sanctification. And I don't believe right. anyone's has. <laughs> right, right. Um, now, I, we may and we may like to deceive ourselves sometimes and think, oh, yeah, it's just been, oh, yeah, I've just grown up. Hey, man, we, we all have these moments, and that's why we not only are in need of the grace and mercy of God at conversion, but we're in need of the grace and mercy of God every day. Yes. There's yeah. not a moment, yeah. there's not a day that goes by where we're not just as in need of God's grace and mercy in our lives. And so oh, yeah. I appreciate you guys now. being willing to, to share some of those things. So so, so at this point, both you guys, you, you know, you're converted, the Lord's working in your lives. And so, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about when Nate and Selena meet <laughs> and, and what that's like and and. and how the Lord begins to kind of develop you guys' relationship, and, and we'll go from there. All right. You want me to start? You want sure. To start? Go for it. Well, I had been single for about a year and a half. I always told people, it's just me and Jesus, and I'm happy. I'm good, you right. know? Now, what are you doing at this point? Are you working, Selena? Yes. Okay. Yes. So right. I'm a teacher. I'm okay. a special education teacher, gotcha. and at this time, I'm in my career, and I had graduated college, moved back home. I went away to college. Okay. Um, went to San Francisco State. And then after I graduated, I moved back home and started my career. Okay. So, and Nate, what are you doing at this moment when y'all are about to meet? Are you still at this the gym? Insurance, insurance oh, you're company. Already doing yeah, the insurance I'd already okay. moved back home. All right. Okay, good. All right. Sorry, so we Selena, were, I interrupted. That's Go okay. Ahead. Yeah. So we were living minutes away from each other. I had okay. no idea. And actually, we were uh, at one point, one, we point one block away from each other wow. before we knew yeah. each other. And rival high schools. Oh, yeah. Go El Diamante. So we went to rival high schools, yeah. and I always, I just still to this day can't believe I married a football player from El Diamante. Yuck. Oh, yeah. 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 So anyways, but one of my friends, and so I, and I always give this disclaimer, please feel free to laugh at this story because it's comical to us as well. One of my friends had met her husband online and she suggested I get online. Okay. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I am way too old school for that. I'd want to meet someone in person and naturally and all the things. So she convinced me eventually over a couple months. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this online dating thing, I'm going to go on Christian Mingle because that's going to give me a better shot, you know? Not necessarily. There's still a lot of weirdos. (laughs) Um, But I'm like, (laughs) if I have to pay $50 to get on this site. Per month. Per month. Per month. Man, it's 50 a month. Yes. Chris and I got married really young, and it was before all of that, so I've never had to do that. But man, 50 a month. Yes, and I'll never forget. Yeah, I'm sure I picked the best one, too. Yes. So if that's Christian (laughs) Mingle, yeah, go with it. Well, I'm like, okay, like, I hope this is worth it, because I can't believe I just spent $50 of my paycheck, (laughs) hard-earned money. You know, I'm a new teacher. I'm getting on my feet. So, um, yeah, I spent the $50, and they match you, like, based off of percentages and based off of your interests that you choose and everything. And okay, so, so, all right, I've got to ask <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so what, what's, like, the questionnaire, like, ChristianMingle.com? I mean, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not naive enough to believe that, hey, everything is truly Christian. Right, ChristianMingle.com. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about, okay, so they're going to match you on these things. So, so what are they asking you? Like, when you get on ChristianMingle.com, okay, my name's Selena. <laughs> do they say, 
I mean, I know they probably don't, but do they say, <laughs> what do you believe about the Trinity? What, I mean, you know, what, what, they give ask me some you info here. denominational so. questions. Okay. Right. Um, they very ask vague, you, though. Very surface. Very level. vague, okay. yeah. All right. yeah. Um, They're so trying like, to appease everybody. what denomination and... Then really, it kind of just goes into your hobbies. Just kind of personality type stuff. Okay. Yeah. Right. What? Um, you know, if on your spare time, you would choose what, and they give you a list. Okay. Like long walks on the beach, right? Or hikes, or I always, I always joke snacking. around saying I guessed on all the questions, and somehow <laughs> we were a ninety-nine percent match. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the cool part. We were okay. a ninety-nine percent match. So how it works is your highest percentage matches are like at the top of your screen. Okay. Um, and then it gets lower the lower you go, right? So gotcha. he was at the top of my screen, caught okay. my eye, and I was like, attracted. But what I really loved was what his bio said. You write just a short little sure. statement about yourself. And it was very similar to what mine said, but just kind of the opposite from the male perspective of how, you know, with serving the Lord and, um, you know, leading a family, me wanting, you know, a godly man. It was just like the opposite. Sure. So I was like, oh, I'm really like interested in this guy. Well, I clicked on his profile and it said he hadn't been on in a month. So I was so bummed. And I thought, well, I guess I'll just send him a little happy face. Now, this is where details of stories winky get face. conflicted. It was a winky face. It was not a wink. Okay. <laughs> he says I sent him a wink. And I'm like, no, I did not send you She's a wink. She's probably right. She's probably right. <laughs> and a wink, I tell people, a wink and a smile are very different. Okay. Like, a wink, and, a wink is me coming on a little too strong. Uh, yeah, true. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to send him a smile. It's, I think it's like an automated one that the site has. But I kind of just thought, I'll never hear from this guy, you know. But I had told my best friend about him. And a couple of days later, maybe a week or so, I don't know, he messaged me. And I was at work and that we were on a break. And I was like, oh, my goodness, the guy that I was interested in messaged me. And he said, I'll never forget. He said, hey, Selena, I hope you're having a blessed day. Just like that, real simple. Yeah. And so your side of the story, you can come in. Well, I, mean, I just have a question. Was he holding a puppy in his picture? Or no, he was. was <laughs> walking old ladies across the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was actually, um, I'll never forget the shirt that you were wearing. You still have it. <laughs> but he was standing, I could tell he was standing like with his family. Okay. So it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. He was a you know, family man. And anyway, so. Right, right. Well, uh, just kind of backtrack just a little bit. After I got saved, um, I had a, a problem with drugs. It was a never-ending battle. It seemed like um, I tried quitting so many times, and I just relapsed right back. Too prideful to go to rehab or anything like that. I moved back home. My mom took me in, let me stay there rent-free. I was probably like 23 at the time, maybe 24, and started to kind of get my life back together. It really started with the Bible. I spent a lot of time reading mm. the Bible. Mm. Started fasting a lot. I tried doing everything I could to see if, how I could get closer to God. <laughs> and through that process, I ended up moving out of my mom's and got a job, uh, which led to the job I'm at now. And during this process, um, they asked me if I was wanting another position. It was a work-at-home position, and I took it. And because of that, I moved back to my hometown, the town next to Selena. And that is kind of around the time when I started having a lot of woman problems in my life. That was kind of like the sin I was battling at that time. Right. And uh, pornography, I was struggling with all kinds of stuff. And I remember just crying out to God, telling him I can't do this. Mm -hmm. 
I can't, I can't give up the pornography. I can't and give up. Sometimes I would even fall back into drugs at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I opened up to God. I can't do this. I admitted I can't do it. And I asked him, will you do this for me? And at the time, I didn't really realize what I was praying or what I was doing. But looking back at it, God was trying to show me to depend on him Mm. and to stop trying to pick myself up by my own bootstrap and trying to get it done myself. And I started to really see sanctification in my life when I started turning to God anytime temptations came. Mm. So temptations became uh, like a red flag to me. Every time a temptation came, I knew I need to go read or go pray. Mm-hmm. And I need to focus on God. And when I started doing that, I started realizing those temptations stopped coming. Right. Or different ones would, but the ones that sure. I normally struggled with seemed to fade. And I remember asking God, you know, I, I want a biblical woman. And then I started thinking about what is a biblical woman. And then I started thinking, she probably wouldn't want me because I'm not a biblical man. <laughs> so maybe the problem is it isn't what I'm asking. It's what I'm doing. <laughs> and so I asked God, will you help me abstain until marriage? Mm-hmm. And this is completely against what I was used to. I mean, I was into pornography, all kinds of sexual perversion growing up. And I was the last person you would hear <laughs> say, I'm going to wait till marriage. My right. friend, even one of my friends, he did not believe me. Someone who knew me <laughs> yeah. from my childhood, wow. he's like, oh, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And because he, he doesn't understand, you know, he doesn't right. understand salvation. So I ended up asking God to help me to abstain. And then a week I, later, my picture popped into his email. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I had stopped paying that $50 a month. I okay. thought it was a ripoff. I did it for <laughs> yeah. one month. Okay. And it's like, forget this. <laughs> and, and I only did that because I wasn't in a solid church. I was church hopping a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was having a really hard time finding a Christian woman. And I thought, no, they're just non-existent. Mm-hmm. Really, the problem was me. I wasn't living right, so yeah. I didn't know where to look. Sure. But um, ended up messaging Selena back. And funny well, tell story. The, tell a little detail. He got an email saying that I had messaged him with a smile. But I did. I stopped paying my membership, so I couldn't see her profile. Yeah. Oh, so I could see his tiny little photos. So yeah. I took a screenshot, zoomed so in. I had to decide. I'm like, okay, fifty bucks yeah. right, to get right. back in. She seems a little cute. So that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we hit it off. Um, ended up hanging out like a few days later. Yeah. So the timeline is: we met online, met. December 1st of 2020. And um, that's when he messaged me. We messaged back and forth, realized we live super close, both agreed that we just wanted to become friends with someone first. And he had prayed that prayer, like he said, but it's really funny because that first day that we were messaging, just texting, he said, ask me a hard question. And I said, how do you feel about sex before marriage? I wasn't expecting that hard of a question. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I was very, very, very serious about the, the, the direction that I was going to take my next relationship, what I would not do and to honor the Lord and obey the Lord and live a pure life. I was very serious. So I right. thought, well, this is in a couple hours of talking to this guy. If he's not willing to obey the Lord, goodbye. He's off. He's off the Even list, as a right? friend. Yeah. And I've never had a woman say that to me before. And I just prayed this a week before right. that. Yeah. So I was. Yeah. I was ready to cut him out quick because I, yeah. <laughs> because I just did not, did not need anyone around me that would tempt or not agree. Right. And I was honest. I'm tr- I just prayed this. This is what I struggle with. I told her all my sin and take it or leave it. I'm trying. Yeah. And okay. So that was December 2020. 2020. Yeah. And so December 3rd, we met in person face to face. 
our first he well he wouldn't call it a date because we were just friends right so he it right. was not a date right. but now we look back it was a date because we got married not long yeah. after i was wanting to marry my best friend so yeah. i told her um, in order for me to really know who my best friend is i can't look at you look at you in that way right. i have to look at you as a friend see if right. we're even compatible sure. right yeah but, so then um december that was december 3rd we met we went to chick-fil-a and, you know, had the holy yeah. chicken. Man, you guys really should call Christian Mingle. I mean, you're all Christian Mingle, Christian chicken. I mean, you know, this is, know. this is you know, a, a truly a match made in heaven at this I point. So. I know. And so, I'd only ate Chick-fil-A once, too. And I that think, was, to me, that's that like sinful, you know? Like, <laughs> it was about an hour drive. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. we didn't have them every, on every corner like here. But um, so anyways, December 27th, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And we, I mean, from the beginning of our relationship, fast. that first day that we hung out, we spent hours and hours and hours just talking about the Lord and what he has been doing in our lives and how we are determined to live for him. And so because we were very determined to remain pure before marriage, all of our time was spent talking about God, just right. hanging out and talking about the Lord, going on walks, just doing simple things instead of, you know, what your average worldly couple would do how, sure. how they would spend their time and so um we did we did have moments yeah definitely falling temptations weaknesses we for did sure. hold uh fast to abstaining yeah marriage. yeah so, so so this this goes pretty quick so go ahead give us the the married the on what date yeah so february 27th he asked me to be his wife okay. 2021 now, 2021 right? okay. and yeah. um september 12th 2021 okay. we were married yeah All right. so at nine months after meeting okay. yep all right mm-hmm. good that's quick. Shout right. out to Christian Mingle. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so let, let, let's fast forward. So you guys are married now. You're, you're Obviously, the, the Lord is playing a central role in your life and in your convictions. And um, so how in the world did, did we get from that all the way to the shoals? Right. Yeah. And, and I know maybe that... That may be an episode all of its own. I don't yeah. know. But, you know, maybe the, the, the quicker version of... Okay, we're looking for a church or, or sound doctrine or whatever it may be, and somehow you end up here at Grace Life. Well, started with Shelves. sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. I was on a quest to know everything about the Bible, mm-hmm. and I realized how difficult that is. And the right. more I learned, the more I realized I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, like I was telling you guys earlier, I was studying a lot and uh, different denominations, and I was church hopping a lot. So I mm-hmm. wasn't a member of a church because I would stay there long enough, and then I realized a lot of this is surface level, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're wearing their skinny jeans with their iPads and give the one Bible verse. And what about football today? Right. And there's well, just... at the time that we met and were married, we were, we were non-denominational is what we okay. would, and that's the church that we would attend. I was um, going to an Armenian yeah. Baptist church here and there, yeah. uh, my sister's church, but I, I jumped around a lot. I was mm-hmm. trying to figure it out and I, it led me into studying deeper and deeper, which led me to studying biblical love. I was really confused, and I remember praying out to God, how can I simplify this? Help me with my foundation so I have something to build on so I could kind of weed through the, the errors. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anyone helping me or teaching me. And then God led me to the greatest command, mm-hmm. you know, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love others as yourself. And then I started realizing the big divide in Christianity, all half the Christians say, you need to love yourself, and then you can mm-hmm. love others. And then you had the other side the minority, I'd pro- I should probably say not half, mm-hmm. they would say, no, you need to deny yourself. You love yourself too much. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah. And when I started getting into that, I started noticing different pastors. And I realized a lot of the reformed guys 
we're preaching biblical love yep. and a selfless gospel. And one thing I did know is when the Lord saved me, he, he humbled me. And I, I knew if I followed humility, I'd find the truth. Mm -hmm. So I kept my eyes on the humility part. And then it slowly led me to the reformed side. <laughs> she has a funny story about that. I was in denial yeah. for a while. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it started off, uh, we had a Bible study. And my nephew's uh, girlfriend mm -hmm. at the time, or I think they're still together, yeah, yeah. but she was a Calvinist. Okay. And, <laughs> and that word was like, what is that? Right. To me, I had never heard of sure. what Calvinism was ever. Right. right. And I had been studying a lot, but I hadn't came across to Calvinists before. Mm -hmm. And my sister asked me, and I said, I don't know. Let me go look that up. And I just did a quick YouTube, don't Google, Google search. search Calvinism. <laughs> You might, you might find gold, but you might also find some really weird right. stuff. Too. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. Like that first response is yeah. like, they're robots. Uh, yeah. You right. know? I was typing in like, is Calvinism heretical? And then what do you know? You get yeah. all these things about right. Calvinism. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I started, you know, telling my family, oh, I need to talk to this girl. And maybe I should like corner her <laughs> and show her the truth, show her the way. Right. Because right. I thought talk I knew everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, the more I started studying it, the more I realized the humility in it, and then I started realizing a lot of the, uh, the critiques of it were from people who never who didn't understand it. They didn't understand how God's decrees work. They didn't realize the different type of decrees and how we do have a part. We do have a will. We do have our part that we're going to be held accountable to. So when, once I started realizing all of that, that's what really started to work on my heart. Right. And it started, I started caving mm -hmm. to the truth, <laughs> yeah. right? But I, I was fighting it a lot. Right. So this is, before we got married, he had started studying it, but he was neutral. He was just trying to figure out, okay, what the Arminian or the Calvinist side, I, I thought what's, like, what's true? I thought like they both could be true. Who knows? It's yeah. a mystery. Yeah. And then um, I remember, yeah, before we got married, I, we were sitting at the dinner table, eating dinner together, and he was talking about this tulip stuff. And... <laughs> You know, as a reminder, I have no, I was not raised this way. Yeah. And so this is very foreign, you know, unconditional election, limited atonement, very uh, foreign. Yeah. So just as a, a quick question, is that even on the, is, is, is doctrine like this even on the radar in a Bethel church? No, circle? no, no, so no. It, it's like just, it's not that it's prominent or not probably, it's just not there. No, it's, it's just simply not, not there. Yeah. Not discussed at all. Right. I have never heard it. Okay. And so when he brought it to me, I this is like learning a new language, really. Yeah. yeah. And so at first I looked at him. Well, to like, give them an insight, you were watching Stephen Furtick, Mike Todd. <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot. Okay. Of, I was trying because I. That's I my knew, background. Yeah. I knew they were heretical. Right. And I was trying to show her that, and every time I did, she'd just flip out. <laughs> Get uh, offended. You know, kind of like I was like, being a legalist or something <laughs> right, of that sort. Right. Yeah. And one well, day you just woke up and you started. Yeah. Noticing. Yeah. So I, I started kind of picking up on how my favorite pastor at the time was Stephen Furtick. Mm. I was before we met, I actually wanted to move to North Carolina and go to his church, the whole situation. And so when he started teaching me about what he was learning, I was very skeptical at first, very hesitant. I, I didn't reject it ever or I never didn't. I was never in a position where I didn't want to hear it. I was just like, I don't know about this. And so after we got married, I'll never forget this, and I can still see it in my head. We're sitting in San Francisco at dinner, 
And in typical California fashion, they put us outside like we're dogs because we couldn't we didn't couldn't eat inside because we didn't have our vaccination cards. And so they're like, sorry, you have to eat outside. Right. Right. So very San Francisco, very California day as well. Yeah. So we're sitting there and he says starts going through Tulip again. And he admits to me for the first time that he agrees with all five points now. Mm -hmm. And this is hard for me to admit that Um, I felt like I was. I guess humbling myself because right. I had talked about how wrong they were. Right, right. Yeah, got, yeah. got you. Right, because he had told me, you know, once they've always said, "Nah, that's not right. true," and I agreed. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at him and I said, "Are you a Calvinist?" <laughs> and he said, "He said, well, yeah." My soteriology I guess I am. is Calvinistic, right. but I don't yeah. like the label. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. He said, "Well, I guess I am," and I was like, "Okay, all right. Well, you finally admitted it." And I, at, at the same time, I had been slowly learning. And so mm-hmm. it was a process for me. I was open to it. He says, you know, anytime he would bring a, a topic to me, I, I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. I just wanted you to show me where it was in the Bible. That's and one thing about our marriage. We talk about theology a lot. Yeah. So yeah. it's just normal for us over dinner yeah. talking about something we've learned. Systematics. Yeah. yeah. So if he could prove it to me with the word. Then I was open to studying it myself. So that's what he did, slowly but surely. And so there was one night where we were laying in bed, and I was reading my Bible. He was reading his, and I had my Hillsong Bible open, and because <laughs> I still hadn't read the change to the ESV that I read now. And so um, I noticed that Romans eight was very highlighted and very noted, and Romans ten was very highlighted and noted, and Romans nine was completely blank, untouched. And he had been teaching me through Romans 9. And so I was like, okay, I really need to read this for myself multiple times just to really understand what's happening here. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I said, have you seen this? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, that's what I've been teaching you. (laughs) And it was in that moment, really, truly, it was like a light bulb. And I understood grace for what it really is. And I understood Mm -hmm. salvation and the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God really has rocked me ever since then, learning about the sovereignty of God and all the aspects. And because I grew up very scared that I, um, like if I was in the middle of sinning or if I had sinned and not repented yet before Jesus came, that I thought I was going to hell. So there was no assurance of my salvation. So understanding the Bible the way that I understand it now has been so freeing for yeah, me. Amen. There's so much freedom in the truth. Yeah. Oh, and we know that now. You know, right. I know that now right. reading the Bible, the Bible is very clear about that. But yeah, I, I eventually had to just yeah. surrender yeah. and bow down to the truth. And yeah. um, it's been the best, yeah. so the you best guys, thing. So you guys kind of come to the doctrines of grace. So at, at what point do you learn of, of Jeff Noblet? Do, <clears throat> do you hear a sermon? At what point do you hear of Grace Life Church? I, you know, how do you, how do you get east? Well, I'm still west right now. How do you get east? Yeah, I I brought it up. Well, we found we another had, church first. We went yeah. to um, okay. as a John MacArthur's church okay. or someone that went to the An masters. Yeah. yeah, they started another church up. So and then I, I, yeah. I found us that church, and mm-hmm. then we started going there, and then we realized the difference in just the congregation mm-hmm. from the churches we normally went to. Before, okay. I was always struggling with, you know, confessing to another Christian how I struggle with this, 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 and that, and they said they would tell me, "Why are you trying so hard?" Mm-hmm. And I was just so confused, trying so hard. Yeah, why are you trying to be perfect? Because God calls us <laughs> right. for yeah. perfection, right. <laughs> like so. to strive for it. Yeah. That's how yeah. we depend on him. Right. <laughs> and neither one of us wanted to live in California, but even before we met. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both w- wanted to move out of California, but we didn't really have a reason to, and we w- wanted to stay around our family. 
And so, especially both being single. And so when we met, we kind of discussed like, oh, you've wanted to move on a state? Me too. And then once we got married and started thinking about having a family Mm -hmm. is when we really started to really heavily consider like we might need to leave. And we started having. But at the same time, it was also like at times I didn't really know how to explain it. Mm -hmm. You know, when God puts a desire in you and you're trying to make sense of it, so you're looking for reasons to justify why you're wanting to do this. Mm -hmm. But I had a desire to move away and I didn't Mm -hmm. know why but I just had a desire to get out of California. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what started the talk between me and you. Yeah, so we started talking about it. And then we looked into Texas and I said, no, a lot of people from California are moving to Texas. It's going to turn into California eventually. (laughs) So I I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And he, he, you know, we talked about, he agreed. And so we moved on. And oddly enough, I actually, in 2020, before we met, I joined an online Bible study and this, there was this girl that I became friends with and she was from Florence, Alabama. Never heard of it in my life. Florence. Well, that sounds like the place in Paris, you know, or Florence. Okay. And so... When we started talking about moving, I thought, well, let's check out this Florence place. And uh, we, had all, we had also looked into Tennessee. So we looked into Florence area and we discovered this place called Muscle Shoals. And Yeah, first we started looking at like houses and what yeah, would be the best true. area for a family. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, well, let's start looking at churches. How about let's put that first mm-hmm. and then we'll try to see the rest if it gets sorted out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went on, a, I think it was reformedwiki.com or something of that sort. And I did a church finder mm-hmm. and I found this church. So okay. then I called. I spoke with Nathan right, I, and right. I interrogated him. I'm sure, he's like, "Wow, that was a lot of <laughs> a lot of questions." Well, because we were just, I, I don't know. When God showed us the truth, it was like we were just all in. Mm-hmm. So we were very serious about finding a truly biblical, sound doctrine church. So yeah. that's why we were like, "Well, we got to call and ask all the hard questions," mm-hmm. you know. So he did that, yeah. and I will never forget he. I was at work and he texted me and he said, I think I found our church. Hmm. And I said, oh, really? You know, and so when I got home, he showed me this Jeff um, Noblet guy. <laughs> That's what we called him. We didn't know how to say it. We yeah. didn't know. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. So, um, yeah, we found and, and he showed me his different different sermons of his and we watched some of your sermons mm-hmm. and we just were so I loved his boldness and how he was willing to stand yeah, up for the for truth. The truth. Right. And we were just so edified and so grateful for the truth that was being s- spoken from the pulpit mm-hmm. and how you all would just stand firm in it and not sway or kind of, you know, cater to the culture just a little bit. It was very just biblical. Mm-hmm. What you said was in the Bible and that's it. And so we were like, oh, we got to go to this church. Yeah, We didn't even look for another church. We yeah. were like dead set. This is the one. Um, and then we started praying, hopefully, that she could get a job in this area. Mm-hmm. Relying so on I'm one income would have, would have made it harder for us. So we were really dependent on her finding a job as a teacher here in right. Alabama. Mm-hmm. She applied everywhere and ended up getting a job in Huntsville. Tony, yeah. yeah. Tony. Tony. Yeah. And so we thought, because I remember even praying, Lord, please help me to get a job like in Muscle Shoals so that right. we don't have to drive far. Because we knew like, we're going to that church mm-hmm. unless for whatever reason, my job is 
two hours, three hours, four hours away, then that'd make uh, it yeah. really hard, you know? Yeah. So my job was still pretty far. And we thought, all right, well, we got to find somewhere to live in between right. the two because mm-hmm. we're going to this church. So um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. she didn't get any interviews in the Shoals, yeah. but we found a nice halfway point and yeah. we're planning yeah. on moving closer in February yeah. after our baby's born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't mention that, that huge detail. I'm yeah, pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what was, uh, you guys got here when? To the show. July. July of last End year. of July. Of last July. year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so right about. Our first Sunday was that we, first Sunday in August, I think. Okay. We sold all of our stuff and fit whatever we could in a little Honda Civic right. and drove across the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. So fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the interesting part was we had no regret in right. the whole process. A lot so of even my dad said that he told my mom, I don't know if I told you this, but he had said, man, that's very bold what they're doing. That's scary. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wasn't scared at all. Wow. And I believe when we're walking in God's calling, we have that reassurance. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, we, we got here and we were so excited to come here for the first, because we had been watching for months at this right, point online. Right. And so we felt part of the church a little bit, but not fully, you know, because we hadn't ever sure. been there and that's on the other side of the country. And so we came for the first time on Sunday and it was like, wow, it's so interesting seeing all these faces in person, <laughs> <laughs> you know, seeing uh, the choir in person. It's yeah. just, it was just cool to finally be here. It felt like home. And Tim, you're... One of the first people that we met, actually, yeah. and I'll never forget that. Yeah. So it was just so awesome walking in those front doors and feeling at home, like I said, feeling like we were with family. It's kind of a feeling I can't really describe very well, but the kindness and the love yeah. and the truth and just so many people were just so loving towards yep. us. And yeah. it was like, wow, this is what it feels like to be in a church where people are really striving to live for the Lord. Mm. And um, in our small group, our small group leaders just so were just helpful and generous. And, you know, it was just, it's just been such a beautiful transition and experience. And truly, since we got here, there hasn't been a time where I've regretted it. Not once. We are very far from family and now we're having a baby on the way. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have no, we have no family here, blood family, but right. I have so much The interesting part peace. is when you're close to the Lord, uh, other, your brothers and sisters seem more as like family yeah. than oh, yeah. your yeah. actual family yeah. does sometimes, you know, right? and, and, and you guys are obviously saying this, but we have a number of people that they, they haven't all obviously moved all the way from California, but we have a number of people and a big part of their grace life story is, hey, you know, either their family have have gotten older and passed away or they don't live real close to here. And they'll say, you know, my grace life family is my family. They are closer to us than my blood family. And they're not saying that in a way in which they're denigrating their blood family. They're just saying, Hey, these are people that have been saved by the gospel. We have a common bond through the Holy spirit. And and this is my family. Yeah. And And you all are more so in our everyday lives than a lot of our extended family, you know, maybe not necessarily our parents, but um, you guys are actually in our lives physical physically too. But I know you were nervous on the move because <laughs> we've just found a good church back home in California. Yeah. And she's telling me, so we have to leave this church. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, she was be crying about it. And yeah. you I know, said, what if the people in yeah. Alabama aren't nice? <laughs> all these <laughs> what if those I really like that church and the preaching, but what if the people in the congregation aren't nice? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna miss my friends and you know, I still do miss my friends sure, from back home. Sure. But the relationships that we've built here, I one day I looked at him and I was basically had to say, like, you're right. Because he told me, he said, it's not necessarily 
the people. It's God in them. And so if we find a church that's truly biblical, they'll be the same. They'll be the same way, you know? So, yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, this is probably a a good time to to wrap up. In a lot of ways, you guys, Grace Life Story is really just starting as far as your time here at Grace Life, Mm -hmm. um, which which is very different from a lot of the folks that we have interviewed. I mean, a lot of them are like me, you know, that we call them Grace Lifers now because we've been here just about all our lives. But Thank you guys so much just for being able to share about your conversion and how God's worked in your life and just the providence of God and bringing you guys, you know, from, from California to, to Muscle Shoals and just an encouragement to hear how God has continued to work in your life. Nate, you're part of the Pressor Training Institute now, and God's about to add your family, mm-hmm. a wonderful gift that he's given to you guys in the uh, coming of this new baby. And so, you know, maybe we maybe we do this again in like 10 years and say, okay, <laughs> now, now you, you've got more extended time here at Grace yeah. Life. Let's hear the rest of right, the story, right, so to right. speak. But thank you guys so much for being willing to just share that. I know it'll be edifying for our people, and uh, we look forward to seeing how God's going to continue to use you guys at Grace Life. Yeah, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of My Grace Life Story. As members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. To find out more, visit gracelifeshoals.org. This podcast is a production of Grace Life Media.